0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Brick by Brick, a podcast produced by Move Your Mind, committed to changing the construction industry one conversation at a time sometimes you connect with people that you just click with i think we all know the feeling and in this interview i had exactly that happen john toomey is one of australia's most sought after speakers on a variety of human and well-being subjects he's widely respected across the world for his speaking his writing and his guidance on workplace wellness and leadership issues he speaks with incredible presence and connection and has a deep passion for the betterment of life for all living things Thank you again to our sponsor lendlease for getting behind this podcast. We couldn't do it without them. They're doing incredible things for mental health and are a real leader in construction. I hope you enjoyed the interview. John, great to see you. And thanks so much for making the time to come on the podcast. We've been, we were talking last week when we had a chat that went for probably about an hour. And I've had this happen with people like yourself that, you know, you just connect and all these amazing things come up. And you think, you know, why didn't I record this? That should have been the podcast. So I'm glad we're able to do it today.
1: Yeah, I get it, mate. It's uh, when you connect with people who've got a, I suppose, an open and inquiring mind you know there's no topic that's off the table it's
0: great yeah exactly yeah. exactly it's so, so so important um so before we get into things are you able just to give a bit of a an abbreviated background of yourself and how you got to, to doing what you're doing today
1: yeah certainly mate so um i uh well i'm 63 so i've been around a little while and um you know, my background, I was I was born and partly raised in the Darling Downs in Queensland uh, on cattle stations, dairy farm, and then a pub. And then when I was 10, my folks moved to Melbourne and uh, we lived in a pub in Hoddle Street. So it was a bit of an education living there. Um, I studied phys ed, uh, went to Marcelin College, which was uh, I did my final three years of school at Marcelin, and, and I think it knocked just enough of the bogan out of me to allow me to survive <laughs> in this world, you know, great school. And uh, did a phys ed degree, didn't teach, worked in health clubs, uh, worked for a lot of years in high performance roles in the VFL, AFL as conditioning coach, nutritionist, etc. And um, all the while, I think, you know, my genuine, I suppose, if you want to call it a superpower is my capacity to take something complex, digest it, understand it and give it back in a way that's, you know, anybody can understand it. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, started, uh, we started developing courses for fitness instructors back in 1980, 81. And we were teaching at night. And sometimes people would say, oh, could you come to our company and give a talk on fitness? (laughs) So (laughs) that's what we did. And that was our introduction into um, speaking inside companies. And that just evolved over the years. And I've always been an incredibly curious person, a good learner, surround myself with people who challenge me, keep studying, keep learning. Uh, In 2005, I embarked on a a 16-year continuous study of human consciousness. And after the 2008 um, GFC, my business had evaporated because I was doing a lot of work in banks and insurance companies presenting wellness seminars. Now, it took me a few years to realise that I could actually be of service in heavy industry because safety budgets were there and they needed to pay for educators. So over the last 10, 11 years, I've been doing an enormous amount of work in uh, education, fatigue prevention, resilience, mental well-being in construction, mining, oil and gas, transport, all those amazing industries where you've just got, you know, blue-collar grassroots people mm-hmm. who are... You know, supporting the country, and um, and also just to cap that off, a few years ago I was uh, invited to join the workplace wellbeing initiative for the Global Wellness Institute in Miami. I've travelled to America many, many times, over a hundred times, I think. And um, wow. and uh, then two years ago I was uh, stepped in as uh, the global chair of that initiative, and we've been doing a lot of work to try and support the. The workplace well-being industry to evolve and and really grow and be really, really relevant. So that's me. Wow.
0: well, there's a lot there. I think we could probably do about five podcasts just you know diving into your your story. you've done done a huge amount. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I totally I think that's amazing what you're doing and you know what you're saying with the work in America and looking into you know how do we improve workplace well-being because it's got a long way to go has been a lot more you know, information and a lot of services come out, but getting people to actually take that step and make a change is really difficult. And uh, we're we're really focusing on the construction industry. So super interested to sort of dive into that a little bit and, you know, ask you about, you know, what have you seen in that industry? Uh, I guess construction, mining, a lot of it's male dominated, a lot of it traditionally blue collar. They probably haven't had the facility um, or the culture to talk about mental health their feelings you know these things get swept under the rug have you seen it as being and you know currently being a big issue and what a other is it something that you know you're seeing improve at the moment you know what more can we do to to sort of make a change in that industry
1: Yes, yeah, so, I mean that, that's a that's a question that could take five podcasts too. You know? like, <laughs> yeah, um,
2: yeah.
1: You know, and I've got to say, one of the most exciting things for me is when I go out onto a mine site to work with a construction company to see young twenty-five-year-old women being an integral part of the construction crew, mm. and I just think, wow, the world's in an exciting place. But, you know, I've done work in companies and and some of them construction companies that are brutal, like that there is safety is something that they have to tick boxes on and um, that's about it. There's really not a lot of care. It's a bit of an attitude of if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Now, I'm not going to name names of companies, but I've also worked with some Unbelievably brilliant companies that have got a level of care that would bring your mum to tears, you know. Mm. Uh, companies like uh Fulton Hogan, um, Actiona, which you know started out with a bit of a, a tough reputation, um, coming from Spain into Australia. The people that are running safety in those companies are incredible, you know. Mm. Um, you know, um, Land Lease, John Holland, you know, what Martin Smith and his team are doing, John Holland, is unbelievable, like really going beyond the reach. Then um, companies like Mervac, they've got some incredible safety people you know, who are who are just doing everything they can to try to support their people to go home safe, but also to go home happy, you know. Yeah. Um, then you've got um, smaller construction companies like um, BMD, uh, the Build Group, uh, Winslow Constructions, Primero Constructions in WA. Man, these are great companies. You know that they're just they're they're just run by really really good responsible people. Um, yeah, you know, mostly men, but not always men, who just are doing everything they can to try to um, And and their biggest challenge is that they want to do more, but their project managers are resisting giving them time because of project timelines and those sorts of things. But I think, you know, there's a couple of things with the construction industry. Um, It's very competitive. The tendering is really intense. Then you've got politicians putting pressure on to get projects completed because they want them to showcase them during election campaigns, those sorts of things. So there's lots of pressures put on projects that perhaps don't need to be there. Mm. Um, But, you know, having said that, you know, most of the people that I meet in that industry, they've just got good hearts and and they want to do everything they can to, you know, to send people home uh, uninjured and happy.
0: Yeah, well, that's which is fantastic. And I think, like you're saying, it's great that there is it, it's traditionally been a male dominated industry, but we are seeing more females now enter that workplace. And I mean, it supports so much of industry in Australia that, uh, you know, it's great to see that trend and that should be encouraged. And, um, and the other part, you know, the fact that so many of these companies are just having this conversation and are wanting to try and, do better when it comes to mental health i think is so promising because if it just keeps going that way you know it's such a huge change in the last 10 years we can only expect that you know 20 years down the track it'll be in a pretty good place
1: absolutely and and, you know i think we can get better um nick with with the type of education that we deliver um and you know and, and i what happens sometimes is a company will think that maybe we'll get a person in who's who's had a mental health issue, and I know you're one of those people, you've had some challenges yourself, um, to come and give a talk about their experience so people can understand what it's like to have a mental health issue. And I get the logic of that, but sometimes that can be a little bit dangerous if that person hasn't done the learning and done the work to get themselves Mm -hmm. through and out the other side of that and being able to take responsibility for perhaps some decisions they made or viewpoints they had that got themselves into that place. Because, you know, I've sat in audiences because I've been the next speaker and basically had this person paint a picture that um. They were doing nothing wrong and their their employer was really bad. And that led them to a breakdown. And 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 you feel people in the room, they're buying the message. Mm. that basically mm. creating the employer as being the bad guy. Now, this is a this is a teamwork thing between employer and employees and everybody working together to make the workplace better. It's not just the employer's responsibility to make a great workplace. So if I'm on yep. site on a construction site, wherever I am on that site at any one point in time, I have a unique perspective of the site and I might be the one that sees something that nobody else can see. Mm. So if I'm aware and I've got my attention out in the world, I can notice things on that site and I can be really serviceable to the safety of the site. But if I'm standing there on my job site, Ruminating over something that the, my wife said to me this morning, feeling angry and resentful, I'm not going to see anything. <laughs> no? yeah. My favorite football passed me and I wouldn't see them because, and yet, so there's this real, we've got to really work on the education to help people understand the difference between your attention being out in the world and your attention being in your mind. And right now in the world, I think that's probably the root cause of so much of the mental health issues we have because people have got a tendency to become very self-absorbed. And I think as Jordan Peterson once said, if you spend a lot of time thinking about yourself, you're going to be depressed, <laughs> you know? And it's uh, so we've got a lot of education to do in that space. I think.
0: Yeah. It's a good, simple message. If you're sort of too focused on yourself, you lose touch with reality and you just become narcissistic and you are going to become depressed because it's sort of by getting involved in the world, by doing things that are bigger than us, by sort of looking at it with that lens, that's how we sort of feel connected and contribute and, you know, get out of our ego. So it's a tricky thing, but, you know, we're talking a lot about this before the podcast, just with where the world is now and how there's propaganda, fear-mongering we're bombarded with, you know, so many different points of view and so much content and information. How do you, begin to decipher what you do and don't buy into and make informed decisions when we've just got this stuff just being vomited you know into our brain every day it's, it's so tricky Lendlease is proudly sponsoring the brick by brick podcast they're committed to the health and safety of their people and those they work with and have been acknowledged externally for their focus on providing healthy workplaces Lendlease is certified as a globally healthy workplace in recognition of their focus on employee health and well-being. In addition, Lendlease won the multinational employer category at the six global healthy workplace awards. They have a holistic approach to health and well-being and continue to grow their focus around mental health. Lenlease genuinely care and are out there not just to make a difference in their organisation, but in construction and society as a whole. We're very proud to have Lenlease as a sponsor of the Brick by Brick podcast.
1: Yeah, it's so, it is, but you know what? The really, the good part about it is that it's a really good challenge for all of us to start stepping into being more personally responsible and, you know, the only cause that I will ever champion is personal responsibility. Mm. And right now, as we can see across the world, and it's so easy to see it happening in America, we're perhaps not so good at seeing it happen in our own country, but basically these partnerships between government and very large corporations and large media entities, we've got this, like, a, a planned narrative. And um, as uh, one viewpoint I heard was that, journalists are now writing to support the narrative rather than challenging the narrative. But mm-hmm. as all this is happening, what we used to call this big um, mainstream media, it's shrinking right in front of our eyes. Like it's incredible. Yeah. I reckon in five years' time, a lot of that stuff will be gone. I mean, Netflix and Stan and all those sort of ripped the heart out of their revenues anyway. But what is happening across the world is as people like you And, you know, Joe Rogan and Matt Taibbi and and all these incredible people, journalists, podcasts, et cetera, setting up independent platforms where they're busting their boiler, trying to paint the closest to most accurate pictures they can. And they're marketing themselves through social media and people are starting to listen to them. And I, for one, have got to put my hand on my heart and say for 40 years, I've been a devout listener of 3RW in the mornings. I've mm. just always loved that show, right back to John Blackman's days. You know, start the day off with a bit of light humor, you know, current conversation, all that sort of thing. And this year, I decided no more, and I've turned it off. And I'm podcasting now because I think the fact, the thing that we're missing, and you and I talked about it, this about last week, is the world is currently changing so fast. It is changing so fast. We are in danger of not being able to keep up. So now I really have decided that at 63, I need to ramp my education up big time because I need to stay informed about what's really going on as opposed to what people want me to think is going on. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it?
0: I love that. Well, I love that message that, you know, you're saying that at 63, even after, you know, being devout with 3 w and having these, you know, what, whatever, you know, and it goes, applies to anyone, sort of never too late to change. or And, you know, as humans, we get set in our way. We like to have, um, you know, certainty in the same sort of things. But it's a good message. And I think what you're saying before about how everyone, you know, the one thing is people should challenge themselves to try and push to find, you know, things that are more, conducive to their growth or to understanding what's going on in the world yeah. because if everyone has just that attitude that curiosity then we're going to solve a lot of problems because yeah. there's no other way around it really and, and like you're saying with the podcast you know just being able to do these kind of things where you get someone on and you're not sort of trying to you're just trying to pull information out of people that have that are experts in many different fields you know we need to learn in that kind of way so yeah i really like that message
1: you know, it's interesting, an old mentor of mine once used to say to me, when you're green, you're growing, and when you're ripe, you rot. Mm. And, and I think that's such a, you know, such a lesson if I get to a point where I think I know everything I need to know, well, I'm ripe. So the next step is starting to rot, you know, whereas if I can really learn from people and challenge myself and listen to people who are much smarter than me, who've got big, big world views, and I think that's the other thing. Listening to people who've got big world views, you know, and are not locked into a, a single sort of narrative. It's because I've got to be able to listen to people who've got a different viewpoint to me and feel challenged by it because it's okay. I get to understand how they think and and maybe that will shape my thinking. It'll certainly shape my capacity to communicate.
0: So yeah, well Yeah, i I mean, I think it's a big problem and we're, you know, we're seeing it a lot. In Australia now with you know the sort of woke culture and I think there's so many fantastic things that are coming out of all of this and the fact that we're talking about so many issues more people are getting heard there's platforms for you know a whole range of things that's incredible but on the same level at the same time um it's gone so far that it's almost if you don't have the same viewpoint as someone they want to cancel you or they mm-hmm. will write you off and That kind of thinking, I think, is really dangerous and doesn't, there's no logical sense to that. And I mean, like, where, how are you going to learn? Like, I want to be able to engage with people that have vastly different viewpoints with me or challenge what I'm thinking or saying. And even if my conclusion is that at the end of that conversation, I disagree with them and I still come back to, you know, believing in my line of thinking, at least you've had that challenge and you've learned something. And I think that's critical for us all to grow. You know, no one no one person is going to have all of the answers to anything. That's sort of, it's highly nuanced and complicated and we need to, you know, go back to thinking in that way. It's crazy.
1: Well, yeah. And, and see, and even that comes down to a micro level, Nick, I think because if somebody's sitting in a perspective that's stressing them or causing them to feel sad or angry or, or, or depressed,
2: Let's get this dinner party started.
1: The best things a friend can do to them is say, how are you looking at that? (laughs) Yeah. And then the next question is, how else could you look at it? Mm. And how else could you look at it until you can get the person to explore multiple perspectives on the one situation which helps their mind become more flexible and stops them creating that stressful response. Then they can get on with fixing the situation. So, you know, from right across, when we're looking at the big picture of the world, it's really cool to have, like you said, people have got a different viewpoint mm-hmm. because there's no harm in trying on someone else's viewpoint. You might not agree with it, but you can try it on, you know, and you learn. And, we should be able to sit and have a completely opposite viewpoint and not be getting angry at each other. But this whole thing, but now people like you and I walk this very fine line in this world of staying true to ourselves, but being constantly mindful of the risk of being cancelled.
0: Mm-hmm. you know
1: and and we're no good to anybody if we get cancelled so we've got to find our way forward find our way through that you know
0: and yeah i guess that leads to you know with toxic masculinity how big of an issue do you think that is what do you think some of the implications of that are you know how 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 sort of how many people are struggling with how many men are struggling with that
1: yeah, I, it's it's really interesting. It's a, it's a really funny uh, subject, that toxic masculinity, because I think it's actually toxic humanity, mm. because there are people in the world who've got bad intentions, men and women and people who identify as something else, I suppose. But, um, you know, certainly all that old, I mean, I had to go through the learning myself that, that footy change room type of way of talking, that's old. Humanity's moved beyond that. We can't do that anymore. You know, it's disrespectful and it it doesn't have a nice intention. But that doesn't mean I can't have a sense of humour either. But where I think men need to lift their game is more about being mindful of what's going on around them and noticing what their mates are getting up to.
2: Mm.
1: Now, this can extend into a whole lot of different areas, Nick. You know, I know I had a guy who was a really, really close friend for years. I loved him. He was funny, inspiring, energizing. But now I realize he's a textbook narcissist. And what he did to women was not cool at all. Mm. Now, I don't think he he was ever violent, but boy, did he mess with their heads, you know. Mm. But I have to take responsibility for the fact that I stood by and watched him do that and didn't Mm -hmm. take action. But I know more now than I did back then. So Mm. what men really need to be doing is being much more aware of noticing the subtle signs in their friends and the other men around them that tell them that maybe there's some stuff going on that's not very cool. Maybe there's some stuff going on at home that needs to be looked at and some sort of support thrown around to make sure that, that man's partner and his children are safe, you know. But also that I think that women need to also look out for their friends who are doing nasty things to their husbands and their kids. You know, it doesn't go just one way. It's a a human affliction. It's not gender based. But in all of that, there's lots of things. It's not just, you know, things like domestic violence. There's a lot of men getting themselves into big trouble with gambling. Because, you know, when I was growing up in the 70s in the pub in Collingwood, if somebody wanted to Place a bet, Nick. They had to walk out the front door of the pub and they tell their mates, I'm going down to the TAB, and they'd have to walk down to Johnson Street, then round the corner down to the TAB and place a bet. And if you got close enough, you could see how much they were betting. You know? It was really obvious. Yeah. The reality is, while I've been sitting here talking, you could have placed half a dozen bets on your mobile phone and nobody would know. And so nobody's got any clue what sort of financial strife because. I'm going to say this on your podcast, those betting companies, they're not just after 10 or 20 bucks from you. They're after everything you've got, plus whatever you can borrow from your friends and family. There's no limit to how much money they want to get out of you, but they do it all under this covert smarmy smile that you're having fun. Now, some people use it very well and they just have a bit of fun. But the thing is men are getting themselves into trouble and their mates are not taking notice. And they can't help them so i think yeah. that's really the area if we keep focusing on the negative of don't be toxic don't be toxic we're actually not educating men on how they can be because one thing i know about men most of them they've got really good hearts and what they love more than anything is the opportunity to help somebody out
0: yeah i think that's a great such a good point so So powerful. And, you know, there is so much focus on the negativity now that it just, it comes back to education. You know, how do we educate each other? How do we have those conversations that are productive, you know, not sitting there. And I think so much of the time, just in general in the world now, people are sitting there complaining, frustrated, this is wrong. I want this to change, you know, coming up with conspiracies, whatever it is. Whereas at the end of the day, if you don't actually take proactive, you know take action to to sort of do something productive, then things won't change. So you can sit there and complain about things, but why not channel that into what's some what's an actual active step in something that I can be part of improving? Why don't I channel all of that negative energy into into that? Thank you so much for supporting Move Your Mind. We're expanding the offerings of the organization and we're tailoring everything we do to suit you guys and to try and answer to all of your needs and the questions that you send in. The book is available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com slash book. And we've just released the Move Your Mind community. We've currently got a men's community group, a women's community group, a general group. We're gonna be lo- loading up other groups And you can find all of the links at moveyourmind.me. This group's been created based on the needs of what we've heard and learnt throughout running Move Your Mind. And we have live events. We've got courses. We've got huge amounts of value, the ability to share information, share ideas, work in groups together to, to grow and share your learnings, to learn about different topics. You get email reminders. There's a whole lot of features in there. We're constantly updating it and we're so excited to share it with you. You can find all of the information about it at moveyourmind.me.
1: Yeah, it's. I, I agree with you, mate. And it's like, it was a simple thing I did with my kids when they were young, you know. Um, used to, um, you know, when your kids are heading off out the door in the morning, we lived at Red Hills so they could, they could walk to school. And you, you, the typical thing a parent would say to the kids is, be careful, you know, don't do anything stupid. And I thought about that one day and I thought, that's such a negative thing. And so I started saying to my kids, and take a risk today and be smart about it, (laughs) you know, because I wanted them to live their lives. And you're so right on that score. We can be really positive about the way we do things because if we try to uh, control people by saying, don't, 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 and stop, 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 well... Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Most people don't like being told what to do. But if we can support people with learning new ways and more exciting and more positive ways to do things, more open-hearted ways of doing things, we can have much better success.
0: I love that. I think it's such a strong message. And it's true, it's human nature. You know, we don't like to be told what to do if we're we feel like we're put into a cage, if we're made to feel like something's negative and we shouldn't do it. The likely thing is we're probably going to go on the other extreme to you know prove a point or to chase it that way. So it sort of not doesn't really make a lot of sense to you know the traditional ways that things have been done. So yeah, it so was
1: terrible. interesting. I think if even if we look at the pandemic, you know, I wonder what would have ha- what would have happened if governments had just said, "Hey, everybody, <laughs> we got a challenge. We're in this together. Let's try to all be really responsible." And we don't want to shut anything down. So can we just try to be really, take on the social distancing, keep the shops and cafes open, but be really mindful, take care of each other. I wonder whether we could have gotten through, you know? I, well, I think a it sen- would
0: have, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No,
1: no, just so I have a sense that if the right message was delivered in the right way, coming from a very open-hearted leadership, We might have pulled it off. (laughs) But, yeah, this draconian control everything, you know, control by domination, it doesn't work. It doesn't work in workplaces. It it doesn't work anywhere. And, um, yeah, so educating and inspiring people and helping people, I suppose the term I really like, Nick, is helping people to reveal their humanity. Yes. You know, I I think that when we do that in workplaces, the payoff is huge—not only to the safety, but the culture and the productivity, and the fact that people actually like being at work.
0: Yeah, and it just comes down, like you're saying, you know, treating each other as equals, not you know, bringing back that humanity, not looking at that, you know, just because you're in a leadership position that you're better or got more power or should you know bark orders at people it's everyone is equal everyone has got their own contribution and just talking to each other in that way just stripping all the crap away and going back Mm -hmm. to basics of you're talking to another human how Mm -hmm. do we have a productive conversation without you know trying to sort of look down on each other it's just it's Mm -hmm. so important so i love those points and everything you're you're talking about here so i've got um some five closing questions we finish every episode with so these can be quick answers um before i go into that final thing i want to ask you is um i know you you know you look after yourself what 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 are some things personally on a day-to-day basis that you do mentally physically to just keep your well-being you know to look after your well-being
1: well yeah good question number one is i I get plenty of sleep Uh, number two is i really make sure i optimize my hydration so i'm about 108 kilos so I drink a minimum four and a half litres of uh, filtered water every day. Sometimes if I train, I do more than that. And I get out and do some exercise each day. Like this morning, I just went for a barefoot walk for an hour on the uh, footy oval. Uh, I'll go for a swim in the ocean later on. Um, I like to train hard and, and train regularly and stay fit. I'm a vegetarian, have been for 42 years. That doesn't mean I think other people should. I just am myself. And uh, I eat lots of fermented foods, uh, kimchi. I, I make my own kimchi. I make my own kombucha. I make my own uh, coconut yogurt because eating those fermented foods keeps my microbiome really robust. And um, and it also supplies me with vitamin K2, which keeps my arteries nice and clean. And I uh, also take, you know, supplements of uh, vitamin D and zinc and those sorts of things for my immune system. And, I've been lucky, all that work I did in human consciousness, like there was some really incredible mm. lives. So I live my life with a very quiet mind mm. and I don't find myself reacting to much. So I, I don't ever feel really stressed or anything, but I still do exercises that help me keep my attention out in the world rather than in, in my mind. So,
0: yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And I do get that sense from you. You've got a very, you know you f- seem very present but and very focused, but just that calm demeanor not having your mind sort of you know well I struggle with that on to this day So um, sure. that's another yeah. story, but you it's know I'm getting journey, better but getting yeah. better. But, but you know my mind can go to a million places in you know one minute. so <laughs> so I aspire to become more like you. Um, but yeah, here's so the final questions here. Um, the first one is what's your best childhood memory that that comes to mind?
1: Wow, you know, I, 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 golly, I think that, um, you know, probably when I moved to Melbourne, I, as soon as I knew we were moving to Melbourne, somebody told me about Australian rules football, and for some reason, without knowing what it was, it resonated with me. And when I landed in Melbourne, it was just before Carlton beat Collingwood in that nineteen seventy grand final, and I've got, I've got eight siblings, you know, and we lived in this pub. And on my 11th birthday, my dad bought me a brand new Sharon footy. And later that day, he got me to come down to the bar because even though I was a Fitzroy supporter, uh, Collingwood legends, Barry Price and Colin Tully were in the bar having a beer and they autographed my footy for me. And that started out as a lifelong friendship with Barry Price, who's one of the most beautiful human beings you would ever meet.
0: That's amazing. I I love that. Love that story. Thank you for sharing it. Uh, What do you think is currently the biggest burden on mental health in society?
1: Well, a lot of people are going to say it's devices and that sort of thing, but I actually think it's the fact that people have forgotten how to live, um, a life of service to others, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, I think um, uh, my friend Di Westaway, who runs Coast Trek and Wild Women on Top, we we uh, had dinner last night, and she'd raised I think over thirty million dollars for Fred Hollows Foundation. And she said Fred said something to her once, and it just stuck with her. Fred said, "The reason we exist is to help each other."
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And we've forgotten that. And I think what creates mental health issues is we've forgotten that and self-absorption is the opposite of it. So too much Mm -hmm. attention on self, yeah.
0: It's so simple and so powerful. I love that message. What's your personal definition of happiness?
2: Um, Just being okay with where I am right
1: now.
0: Yeah, yeah, simple. Yeah, Love it's it. not
1: dependent on anything external. It's just here now. Yeah,
0: I think it probably is the only way to really to to be happy, to be just <laughs> present. Uh, mm-hmm. So I've got two more left. What mm-hmm. What are you most afraid of?
2: Hmm. I think.
1: Um, I, I think it's uh, it's the amount of propaganda that's running on the on the planet right now. Like it's it's frightening, and and it's got a lot of people in a frightened state of mind, and um, it really concerns me.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a
2: huge one. Mm. And final one, what are you most proud of? Hmm. I, I I have to say, my son Shane.
1: You know, he's um he's 33. He, you know, he was he had a rough trot, His mum had a lot of lot of challenges, and I ended up being a single dad by the time he was six. And you know, she still struggles to this day. But so he struggled at school. But the gift he did get from his mother was incredible artistic talent so whilst he struggled all the way through school I don't think he ever passed a single thing going all the way through school but he got the music award every year and and I took the risk of not applying any pressure and just loving him and having his back and being there to talk and just allowing him to find his way in the world and now at 33 he's living with the love of his life he's got two little kids he's got a a really successful business. He's one of the most prominent um architectural and real estate photographers in the country. And um and he's he's living his life in an incredible way. So yeah, really, really proud of um the fact that I think that my mum taught me to. To give my kids space and get out of their face, you know, and uh, yeah, so that was a good strategy. And and as a parent, you, you don't know, you know, you're just trying the best you can. So, yeah, very 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 proud of. I'm not going to say I'm proud of him because that there's there's something weird about that. Like I'm getting something out of him, but I'm just really proud of the the whole path and the partnership and and where he's going with his life. So, yeah.
0: Beautiful story, mate. Yeah. That's so great to hear. And I love that. And I think such a great message and so many good messages in, you know, what you've said today. So I appreciate you coming on here. And just a final thing for anyone listening, we'll put all of this in the show notes, but where can they go if they want to learn more about you?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm pretty easy to find on LinkedIn and my website is uh wideawakewellness.com.au don't put the three w's in front it's one of those weird ones that just goes that http but yeah wideawakewellness.com.au and um yeah come and say day.
0: great we'll have all of that in the show notes so anyone listening make sure to check it out and yeah john thanks again for making the time i've loved this conversation i'm sure we'll have many more and uh i've really enjoyed connecting with you
1: yeah you too nick and i've got to say you know i listen to all of the construction industry podcasts and uh and a bit like you know Joe Rogan, I can feel that you just create a space that comes from your curiosity and your love of people. And um, yeah, you know, I really hope your podcast go to the, the next level, mate. So you're doing good service. So thank I you. Really
0: appreciate appreciate it, mate. Thank you so much. Right, on, mate. Take care. Appreciate it. You too. Thanks to John Toomey for joining me today on the Brick by Brick podcast.
2: a catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row?